Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Friday, April the 28th, 2023. On this edition of The Politocrat, we are our own worst enemy. I'll explain what I mean. Plus, across the United States, the attacks on trans people by Republicans intensifies. I'll be playing you some audio from the last month or so, of what's been going on in Kentucky. That and more coming up next. Man, speak of the bill. We have created an environment of hate. And then we look at them like there's something wrong with them. First you hated black people, then you hated Jews. Now you're hating everybody. So the question is, when it's the only people left are you, will you hate yourself? Power concedes nothing. This house is for the people, by the people, to serve the people, and you won't listen. You go after everybody's kids but your own. You make hate the way to go as long as it's not applied to you. You have to ask yourself the question, why would they be doing that? Who are we to cause that? None of us said we would come here and hurt people and yet you make trades and policy so your bills can be heard. You go against the people of this state. This is a horrible, horrible session. This bill is horrible because it has nothing to do with the people. And the last thing I'll say is, God bless you, because somebody's going to have to atone. Yes, yes, the gentleman from Fetro. Somebody's going to have to atone for not being who you're supposed to be. Welcome back. So Pastor Martin Niemöller had this crisis of conscience. Yeah, this crisis of conscience. And so when he was saying things in the 1920s and 30s about Jewish people as a quote-unquote despised people and quote-unquote Christ killers, he, he didn't care anything about Jewish people. I want to let you know that again. I'm going to say that again. Pastor Martin Niemöller didn't give a damn about Jewish people. He was quite content to say nothing when they were being executed by Nazis. Nothing at all from Pastor Martin Niemöller. I want to just make that clear. Now, he also was someone who had been put in a camp in Dachau and he had been transferred to different camps. He ended up, you know, a few months later or a few years later being um, rescued by U.S. troops in 1945. 
And then, after this crisis of conscience, because, of course, Hitler turned on him. And, of course, that's when all of these things happened. He ended up being thrown in um, political prisoner camps, concentration camps, and all the rest of it, right? He, this guy was then, you know, jailed and all the rest, as, as I've said. And after that, he said to himself, you know, I've got to say, I've got to start speaking up. And he, in 1947, wrote first, They Came. I believe it was in 1947. Maybe 1946. Because the war ended in 19, World War II ended in 45. 1945, and I believe it was either 1946 or 1947 that Pastor Martin Niemöller wrote First Day Came. Here is First Day Came, written by Pastor Martin Niemöller. First Day Came for the Communists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a communist. Then they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. That is First They Came, written by Pastor Martin Niemöller, circa 1946. This is a completely autobiographical poem. Many people quote that poem, read it out as I've just done, and I've done it many times in this podcast, without giving you the full context Niemöller, as I've said repeatedly now, supported what Hitler was doing to the Jews. He supported that. This is a German priest, a German pastor rather, who supported this. And what turned him around was the attacks by Hitler on his German Protestant church. That's the thing he held dear. And when... It was very clear that Hitler was trying to control and started to control the Protestant church in Germany. That's when Pastor Niemöller said, oh, no, that's a bridge too far. That's a bridge too far. And that poem that I just read out to you, dear listener, represents the autobiographical testimony, if you will, the testifying of Pastor Martin Niemöller. And he's guilty as charged. He's talking about himself. He didn't speak out. He's not Jewish. He didn't speak out. And then they came for him. He's referencing. It's his way of saying Hitler. The they is Hitler. The they is the Nazis. And he's referencing, without saying it explicitly, the attack on the German Protestant church. 
they came, then they came for me. That's what he's talking about. We as human beings have this really filthy bad habit of not really giving a damn about anything until it affects us. And I say that we've got to override that thing in us that's not a good thing. There are things about us as human beings that uh, there are things about us as human th- beings, if I can talk, that's beautiful, that's just absolutely incredible, that's beyond description. And then there are things about us as human beings that are downright vile, ugly, disturbing. One of them, the disturbing things, the ugly things, is that we don't speak up about things until they affect us. Now, there are obviously always exceptions to that. But generally speaking, we will just say ho-hum, oh, something happened out there on the African continent. Uh, ho-hum, it's so sad. Pass me the gray poupon, won't you please? And you just go back to your regularly scheduled programming, your regularly scheduled scrolling of social media. Oh, it's so sad. Oh. That's the thing about us that we need to override in ourselves. That kind of apathetic, sympathetic nothingness. And we have to start getting involved in what's going on. Not just in the world, but in our local communities. We really do. Representative Pamela Stevenson was telling you in the clip I played in the previous block. You came for black people, then you come for Jewish people, then you're coming after trans people. And you're coming after everyone's kids except yours. You hate everyone. Are you going to hate yourselves next? What are you going to do then? It's another variation, by the way, on really what Pastor Niemöller said in First They Came. Really, it's, 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 I'm not trying, listen, Representative Stevenson, I think would make an excellent Attorney General in Kentucky. And you need to donate to her. Pam for ag Pam, P-A-M, F-O-R-A-G dot com. You need to go to that website. You need to donate to her campaign. Kentucky, that I'll get to Kentucky a bit more in a moment, has a primary election on May the 16th, 2023. That's just coming up in what, three weeks? Three weeks. About three weeks from now, two and a half. You need to be backing Representative Pam, Pamela Stevenson, who's currently a Democrat on in the, the Kentucky House of Representatives in the state legislature there. The second clip that you heard 
in the first block was the legislation that the Republicans in the Kentucky State Legislature had put forth and ultimately had overridden the veto of the Democratic Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir over. You heard the two people there. One of them, this is on NBC, and I only got this clip because I thought that it actually did crystallize the points that I wanted to make. And this audio you heard was from April the 13th of 2022. 2022. So it's actually a year ago. I said it was over the last month. It was a year ago. And now these attacks have intensified even more on trans people, not just in Kentucky, but all over the country. Now, that clip that you heard was from yet another overriding of a veto by the Republican supermajority in Kentucky. And you heard in that clip that nearly 240 laws against trans people, laws that were stripping away their rights, nearly 240, you got to think about this here now, 240, actually, to be precise, it was 238 bills. I mean, this is just unreal. When you really think about this, 238 bills against trans persons introduced in the United States by Republicans. Now, in that clip that you heard, they mentioned the word Republican. But when the graphic about 238 laws against trans people were was put up there. Now, you can't see that, of course, because it's clearly a podcast you're listening to. But this audio is from a video segment from April of last year. So I correct myself, it was not 2023. It was April of last year, but that's neither here nor there, quite frankly. That's not the point, what time it is. It's about, it's happening. It has happened and it continues to. 238. And by the way, when that graphic was put up there, now, all of these 238 bills against trans people, they were all introduced by Republicans. But when the graphic showed up on TV, the word Republican was nowhere in it. Nowhere in it. How on earth, by the way, are you as a corporate news media organization, NBC News, going to not mention in your graphic showing up on the screen that Republicans were the ones who introduced this? all 238 of these bills against trans people. Why won't you just say that? Those are the people, that's the political party that's introducing this stuff. I can guarantee if Democrats had done this, they would have made that very clear in their graphic. Now look, from January 1st through March the 15th of 2022, 
238 proposed bills were introduced limiting the rights of people who are lesbians, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer. And those bills were being introduced by Republicans. All 238 of these proposed bills were being introduced by Republicans. And of course, when you look at the graphic on NBC News now, would they tell you, would, they, would the word Republican show up anywhere in there? Oh, no. The bills just got proposed by themselves, did they? It was just osmosis. You know, just 238 anti-trans person, anti-gay person, anti-queer person, anti-bisexual person. Just 238 bills just, 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 just materialized by themselves. No. Republicans introduced 238 bills limiting the rights of people from the LGBTQIA communities in a two and a half month stretch in 2022. Did you know that, dear listener? Were you aware of that? Now you are. Now you are. Just as I said several episodes ago about the more than 1,000 plus books, 1,000 plus books that had been banned by Republicans across this country, 1,000 plus over the last year or so? These Republicans are absolutely destroying any notion of democracy. This is a fascist march by these Republicans in all these state legislatures, which is why you need to be aware of what is going on locally in your city or town. You need to be aware of what is going on in your state. You need to be aware of that. Many of us know more about what is going on in the White House, in the Senate, in the House of Representatives, than we do what's going on in our own cities, in our own states. And we need to start changing that as well. We need to start gaining an understanding of what is going on in our own backyards. We really do. Just imagine this. In 2022, in a two and a half month stretch, Republicans across the United States and these state legislatures have proposed two hundred and 38 anti-LGBTQIA bills. Think about that. In 10 weeks, you heard what the reporter said. That's three bills a day against the trans community, against the LGBTQ communities at large. Three bills a day. Doesn't that move you to want to do something, to want to speak out? Doesn't that grab you in some way that you would stand up and say no? That you would call these people? Doesn't that, doesn't that animate you to want to do something? Or do you just sit back and go, oh, that's just a shame. Oh, man. And then just keep going on about your day. 
And I think, I dare say the answer is the latter. The vast majority of us do not care about these issues. Oh, well, that's just trans people. Oh, well, you know, I'm not a trans person, so I don't care. I'm not a member of the LGBTQIA community. I don't care. It's like Nimola, for God's sake. This is our Nimola moment. This is our Nimola moment. Whether it's the attacks on trans persons, the attacks on black people, the attacks on women of any racial background, taking away the right of a woman to make decisions over her own body, taking the rights away of pregnant persons to make decisions about their own bodies, taking the rights away from people who want to make choices about contraception because the Republicans are going there next. In fact, there's some states already that have these bills where they want to start limiting and taking away your access to contraception. What is your red line going to be, dear listener? When are you going to start saying enough is enough? And not only saying that, but actually doing something. One last thing I want to say before I take a break, dear listener, is this. I'm going to play you a portion of the second clip again. And it's going to be a clip that I'm going to then ask you about. Or at least I'll talk about it. I want you to listen to this. This is a clip again from that same second portion of audio that I played you earlier. Listen to this. This is the 15th state um, to enact a law like this one. Um, yes. What are advocates yes. of the LGBTQ community doing? Wrong question. That is the wrong question to be asking. And I'll tell you why that's the wrong question to be asking. The question to be asking is this. What are we doing? What are we doing? Oh, my God. <laughs> what? What are we doing is the question. What are the advocates of the LGBTQ? <sighs> yeah, okay, fine. Yes, what are they doing? What are we doing? We're spectators. That's the point I'm trying to make, among others. What are we doing? We should all be speaking up about this. We should be calling these Republican legislators in Kentucky. Go to their website, legislature.ky.gov. Legislature, L-E-G-I-S-L-A-T-U-R-E dot K-Y dot G-O-V. Should be going to that website right now. Go to that website right now. Right now, there's a million things there. You can find these legislators. There's a section that says legislators. You just literally just. You can literally just scroll down and see. Click on legislatures. It's a rectangular box on the right hand side of the homepage. 
and you see all these legislators, all these Republicans and Democrats and the minority Democrats, because the Democrats are in the numerical minority. All these people. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. You can see the whole, <laughs> the information's here. It's hiding in plain sight. And while you're watching a, a, a while you're watching a cat scratch its ass on YouTube that gets 3 billion freaking likes, you might want to freaking well for once start looking up the freaking states and their legislatures and their people who are in the legislatures and freaking well call them and say, how dare you? I have friends in Kentucky. It doesn't have to be that you're from Kentucky to do it. You can say that you've got friends in Kentucky and I'm telling them to vote you out. God, come on. What are we doing? See, that's the thing with these news people, you know? And I get it. It's not entirely their own script. They're really going by a script that their producers are writing for them. And if they don't say that script, they may not have a job by the end of the broadcast. Don Lemon. So, and I forget the name of the person. Her name is Yasuvian. Da, 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 da. I'm, I don't remember her name. Those of you who watch, because I don't watch this stuff. You do, right? I know that you watch corporate news media, if you're listening, dear listener. You, you do watch some form of that. Wherever you are on the planet, you watch it, right? Whether it's in the United States, whether it's somewhere else in the world. But that's the wrong question. The wrong one. What are members of the LGBTQ community doing about this? What are we doing? <laughs> they're obviously doing a lot about it because they're getting arrested. Right? They got arrested in 2022. The LGBTQIA communities were getting arrested this year. They got arrested when the representative... Pamela Stevenson was speaking a few weeks ago in the House chamber there, in, in the House there in uh, Kentucky. They're doing lots of things to raise attention about this. In Montana, earlier this week, Representative Zoe Zephyr was banned from the House floor in the supermajority Republican Montana State Legislature. Banned. They banned her. Representative Zephyr is transgender. And she is now banned from speaking. Banned from the floor of the freaking House of Representatives in Montana. Banned. Banned. It's fascism. These Republicans are showing you who they are. Like Dr. Maya Angelou told you. When they tell you who they are, believe them the first time. It's like in Tennessee, expel two black legislature, legislators. Get, oh, get rid of them. Ooh, expel them. Ooh. Now they've got their jobs back and then they have to go through a special election sometime this summer. And they'll win those special elections. They'll win them. Justin Pearson and Justin Jones. Now you're getting rid of 
someone in Montana. Oh, we don't like what she had to say about this bill that excoriates and denies the rights of health care and all kinds of things to trans persons in Montana. We don't like the fact that she spoke about how bad our hateful bill is. Let's expel her from the floor. Let's ban her from being part of this legislature. That is anti-democratic. That's fascism. She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't do anything illegal. She didn't do anything that violates any kind of law. And now you're going to just say, oh, we're going to ban her. That's what happens when you abuse power. These super majorities, that's what these Republicans do in these state legislators, legislatures. They abuse power. That's fascism. That's tyranny. And then they'll get up there and tell you that they're the ones who are under fire from tyranny all over the country. Tyranny of these people from these communities. We don't want them here. We are being attacked. And it's not. That's not not true at all. No one's attacking Republicans and holding them under threat. That's the problem. We're not speaking up loudly enough. We're not doing enough. We need to do more, is my point. And so when a news anchor asks the question of a guest, or in this case, a news reporter, is being asked by a news anchor, well, what are the trans community doing about this? It's the wrong freaking question. It's what are we as a collective people doing about this? In Kentucky, in Montana, all over the country. What are we doing? We're like Pastor Niemöller. Who, granted, was turning his back on Jewish people as they were being murdered. We're like that now in a way. Again, I'm not comparing anything. What I'm saying is, here's a moment for us. Here's our Niemöller moment. Right? Whether it's black people being attacked viciously in this country over hundreds of years, Tyree Nichols, Irvo Ottieno, all of the all these people. What are we doing? Tweeting is not enough. We need to be making phone calls. What are we doing? Here is our Nimala moment. Whether it's women being denied the right to choose the Supreme Court and all this stuff that's going on the last 12 months and the last 40 years, the last 50 years. What are we doing? Have we made phone calls? Have you made a phone call to your legislature? Have you made a phone call to your representative in Washington? Have you made phone calls to your local politicians about what happened last year? When Roe versus Wade was overturned, did you make any phone calls? Did you connect with any politician other than social media? Did you? Or did you just say, oh, it's so bad what happened last June. You know, Roe versus Wade overturned. You know, that's a shame, isn't it? It's a shame. Our Niemöller moment is right here and right now. And what are we going to do? What am I going to do? What are you 
going to do. Welcome back. You are listening to the Politocrat Daily Podcast with yours truly, Omar Moore, and I hope you are having a good and decent Friday. Now, I don't talk about Pastor Nimola to lionize him in any way. That is not my function. I am not lionizing Pastor Martin Nimola. I am providing a story about him as an illustration and in some ways a metaphor about us. Because, dear listen, I think you can spot this theme from the last, what, 45 minutes plus, that we are our own worst enemy. I really do believe that. And it's not that I don't believe in people. I actually do believe in people. I have often said, and I really truly believe, that there are good and decent people on the planet. And what I mean by that is that there are people who do recognize when a stand has to be made. And when tragedy or any kind of other horror like that strikes, people do show you who they are. And I think the vast majority of the planet shows you decency, shows you heart, shows you love. It's in the donations that people get when a family member gets killed by police. Just ask, the, for example, or when someone gets brutally attacked by someone, just ask the family of Ralph Yall. Because he's already been forgotten, by the way. You notice the corporate news media and then the media doesn't even talk about Ralph Yall anymore. As if he just was yesterday's news. Well, he ain't yesterday's news to me. He is not yesterday's news to me. When Ralph Yall, earlier this month, was shot in the head by some white prick, racist, when he was shot in the head and then shot again in the arm as he was on the ground, there were people all over the world who said, you know what, now that I know about the GoFundMe page that has been created by his aunt, by Ralph Yall's aunt, I am actually going to give money to that. And so now, I think it's over $3 million at the minute, maybe more than that. And I was someone who could say that I gave to that as well, and I will continue to give money to Ralph Yall for all his expenses and all the things he's going through as he recovers at home. It's things like that that give you further affirmation that there are people in the world who, when again, when these things happen in the world that are horrible, show you their decency, show you their heart, show you that they're actually people who do care and who do, that something moves them to give money, Right? Now, I offer that to you, dear listener, as a contextual backdrop for this segment of this episode of the Politocrat Daily Podcast. Because this week, in midweek, this past Wednesday, April the 26th, 2023, the Republican-controlled United States House of Representatives passed a debt ceiling bill. Now, it was their debt ceiling bill, the Republicans' debt ceiling bill, H.R. 2811. 
That bill was passed in the House of Representatives on Wednesday by a final vote of 217 yay, which means yes, and 215 nay, which means no. A very close vote indeed. It literally passed by two votes. Now, the Republicans have a very slim majority in the United States House of Representatives. When this debt ceiling bill was passed, now the debt ceiling is something that, if it's not properly addressed, can really help bankrupt this country in profound ways, literally. You will end up seeing all kinds of horrible things happen. The country can be, will be defaulting on all of its debts. And the debt ceiling is raised in order to give wiggle room to the government to be able to help clear up its debts. That's, that's the most informal way. Now, I may not have every piece of the analysis there act, you know, pre precise, but that is really the overall way to think about the debt ceiling. right? I don't want to get bogged down. Another day, I'll actually do an episode explaining that in much more detail. But for now... That's really what you need to understand about what the debt ceiling is. It's wiggle room to allow government, the government, to address the debts and deal with the, the debts that it has in order to prevent defaulting on those debts. Right? That's about as simple an explanation as I could possibly distill here. So the bill that the Republicans wrote passed... 217 to 215 in the United States House of Representatives this past Wednesday, just two days ago. The response from Senate Democrats, Democrats in the United States Senate in Washington, D.C., was to say, nope, this is a DOA. This bill that got passed today in the House is dead on arrival, DOA, dead on arrival in the U.S. Senate. Nope, we're not even going to deal with it, not going to consider it. President Biden when asked for his comment, said, nope, there's just no way. If this ever got passed anyway, I'm going to veto this thing. You can forget about it. No chance. We're not ever going to do this. There needs to be negotiations and we're not going to pass this bill. Now, people talk about this bill, that bill, pass this, and nobody knows what the hell is in the bill. See, this is the thing about corporate news media and any of these conversations. And this is one of the reasons why I do this podcast to provide context and illustration and information so that you, dear listener, have some information to, to use. And I'm not just talking at you now. It might sound like I do sometimes, and maybe I do. But you are given information. One of the things I don't like on social media, gosh, what do I like? I like lots of things, dear listener. One of the things I don't like is on social media, someone will give you, and I've talked about this before, will give you a snippet of an article from some online article they've read, but they won't provide a link to the whole goddamn thing. Now, one of the things I can say, as he toots his own horn here, that I do is... When I give you a screenshot of some words that are being written or have been written by a columnist or by some other writer or whomever it might be, 
I give you the link to the whole goddamn article so that you can see the entire thing in context, right? Even if you're making a specific point about one thing, it's always good to have the context. It really, really matters. But so many people, and it might be you that maybe one of those people, dear listener, just gives you a piece of an article, doesn't even tell you where they got it from. No reference, no, no source, no reference. And you know why this always seems to happen now a lot more? Is because when you've got social media now, everyone runs away from sources. Everyone run, not everyone, many people run away from sources. They don't quote, they don't attribute, there's no attribution anymore. I remember back in school, way back when, we were stressed. It was stressed to us, the importance of attribution to a quote, to something you put out there. Have some attribution, have a source. Oh my God, have a source. Oh my God, have a source, have a source. Put the source out there so people know where you're getting the information, information from, for goodness sakes. Oh dear. There's no, people just don't seem to, some people just don't do that anymore. I really want to also take this moment before I get back to what's in this debt ceiling bill to remind you now that an organization, a website that's called lgbtmap.org is a website that gives you all of the states right now that ban transgender students from participating in sports consistent with their gender identity. You know how many states in the country now do this now. That order you heard said 15 states. That was in 2022. Do you know how many states it's up to now where state laws in these states ban transgender students from participating in sports consistent with their gender identity? Yeah, have a, have a guess how many states it's up to now. 21 states. That's almost half the country. I'll read out the states really quickly. Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, Utah, Arizona, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee, Indiana, Kentucky, West Virginia. That's all 21 of them. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Back to this debt ceiling bill. Because, you know, people talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, but don't give you the context. And some people don't give you the context about where all this is. This debt ceiling bill. I didn't hear anyone talking about what's in it, but you know what? I can tell you what's in it. And the only person I've heard uh, who has been talking about what's in the bill that I've been aware of is Joe Madison, the Black Eagle, Sirius XM Channel 126, The Urban View. Subscribe to Serious XM, won't you? Not very much, won't cost you very much at all if you can afford it. Let me tell you, and by the way, also PBS has talked about this as well, to their credit. Let me tell you what's in this bill, dear listener. Right? I want you to really listen very carefully to what I'm about to say to you. I really, really would like you to do that, please. Can you do that for me? I know you can. Sorry for being patronizing. 
Thank you very much for listening. Here now, because again, this is really important. It really, really, really is important. Here's the thing that you really need to be aware of. This bill that got passed by only two votes, but passed nonetheless, right? Here's what you need to be aware of in this bill. This debt ceiling bill cuts food assistance. This is the Republican bill. Cuts food assistance for between 275,000 and 900,000 people. This Republican debt ceiling bill kicks over 600,000 people off Medicaid. Medicaid is a service for poor people. Medical coverage for people who are poor. This Republican debt ceiling bill means 780,000 fewer jobs over the next 10 years. 780,000, 780. 780,000 people will be laid off over the next 10 years or fewer jobs over the next 10 years. 780,000 fewer jobs. You have a Republican, you have a, you have a, this bill is just evil, right? You have a Democratic president who has created under his administration something like 14 million jobs in the first two years of his term, of his first term, more than any other president in the same time period in the history of the U.S. And you've got a bill that was passed on Wednesday in the House, a Republican bill, and never forget to say the word Republican in there, that kicks 780,000 people off the rolls over the next 10 years. That's not all. This bill cuts 80,000 jobs from the Veterans Affairs health care system. 80,000 people at the VA will lose their jobs. Now, this is the Veterans Affairs. Now, this is the government agency that the Republicans claim that, oh, you know, they love their veterans. You know, the Republicans say, oh, we love veterans. We're the party of loving. No, you don't. You hate veterans. You say thank you for their service and then you say F you for your service by cutting their benefits, by making the system, Veterans Affairs system, a mess, by drowning it, by cutting from the the VA system. That's what Republican presidents and their budgets have done forever. And yet, the Republicans are perceived as the party that cares about the military and veterans. And the thing is, that's messaging that we've allowed the Republicans to get away with, and we're not contesting it. We need better messaging to f- counteract this fraud by these Republicans. Oh, oh yeah, we are the party of the military. Oh my God, you hate the military. They hate the military. They hate people in the VA. When, the, when these vets come back from these horrible wars, They find that the VA system has been gutted by Republicans. And that's what this bill does again. 
cuts 80,000 jobs from the VA healthcare system. So when you're a veteran and you've come back and you've been affected in ways indescribable and you're sick and you need medicine and healthcare, you don't get it because 80,000 jobs have been cut from the very place that you need help from. You need counseling? Oh, no, we don't have any counselors here now. We have very few of them. You have to go on a waiting list that might be months long. Oh, why? Because the Republicans have cut 80,000 jobs from the VA. And that all amounts to 30 million fewer patient visits per year. Why would that be happening? Because under this bill, that's what happens. And that means the services in the VA will be cut. And that means that there won't be any patient visits. There'll be much, much fewer of those. No, you can't get to see this person. No, you can't get to see this person because we've cut all these services. So if you're a VA person, you're a person that wants, you're a vet, and you come to VA and you want to visit as an inpatient. Oh, no, no. We've cut all these jobs. So we've cut 80,000 jobs. And that means you can't come in. You can't come in. You can't come in and see your counselor. Because her job's no longer here. Because you know why? It's not us. It's those Republicans. They're the ones who voted for this in the bill. And they've cut your services. Sorry. You're on your own. That's what this country has always said. You're on your own. That's what these Republicans have always said, at least for the last 65 years. You're on your own. Deal with it. Oh, I'm not done here about this sick, disgusting bill from these Republicans. It cuts this debt ceiling bill that was voted on and passed 215 to 215, 217 to 215 on Wednesday. It cuts affordable housing assistance for 1.1 million families here in the U.S. Affordable housing assistance, goodbye to that. Cuts Pell Grant. So if you're a student, your Pell Grant gets cut by this bill, by these Republicans. This bill blocks student loan forgiveness. Oh, you want your student loan forgiven? Oh, you're SOL. President Biden, remember, was doing this, right? Forgiving at least a portion of the bill on your student loan was $10,000 or $15,000. And remember, the Republicans took it to the Supreme Court. Oh, no, you can't. And they blocked this. And now this thing does not go into effect now while it goes through the courts. Oh, we'll just stifle that. We'll just go and tie it up in, litig in litigation. It's ridiculous. People are evil. Disgusting. I'm not even finished yet. I'm almost, fin I'm almost finished. This bill cuts early childhood education programs. Oh, pre-K? No, you're screwed. Bye. This bill, Republican bill, cuts green energy tax credits. So now there's no incentive for corporations to do the right thing and impl implement wind energy, solar energy. No, no, electric energy. Oh, no, no. We don't want to power electric cars. We don't want to do any of these things for clean energy, for green energy. We don't want to hire, um, we don't want to do this in our workplaces because, hey, 
There's no tax credit anymore for doing it. So we don't have a financial incentive to do it now because this bill and these Republicans says no more green energy tax credits. You can keep polluting. There's no financial incentive for you. You will keep polluting under us. Because we're fans of the pollution money that we get from these polluters. We'll keep having that toxic money in our pockets, that blood money from the NRA in our pockets. We're fine with it. That's another Niemöller moment, by the way. Gun violence. What are we going to do about that? That's something I forgot to mention earlier. That's a Niemöller moment. It's been a Niemöller moment forever. What are we going to do? Are we going to speak up? Are we going to do something to end gun violence in this place? Or are we just going to say, oh my God, it's so awful. You know, another 15 kids getting killed. Another 30 kids getting killed in Uvalde. Another one. Oh, 10 more people in Buffalo killed. Oh, isn't that a shame? (sighs) Almost finished with this Republican debt ceiling bill. It reduces safety inspection on railroads by 7,500. So now there's going to be under this bill, if it passes in the Senate, which it won't most likely, but still. This bill reduces safety inspections on railroads. So on the railroad that you travel on, on the Amtrak train that you travel on, or whatever train it is you travel on, you're going to see 7,500 less safety inspections. So if there's another, the next time there's another derailment, the next time there's some collision on the train tracks, the next time there's another Norfolk Southern in East Palestine, Ohio, where the pollution now has destroyed that place, the next time there's one of them, blame it on the Republicans. And by the way, finally, this debt ceiling bill from the Republicans shuts down 375 air traffic control towers in the United States. How's that for flight safety? Do you feel comfortable flying now, dear listener? If you're in the United States or wherever you are in the world, flying into the United States, do you feel comfortable knowing that this bill, this debt ceiling bill, would shut down 375 air air traffic control towers in the United States? Does that make you comfortable flying? These Republicans are showing you who they are. They're showing you their bare ass. They're showing you that they don't wipe it either. These people don't use toilet paper because if they did, they wouldn't do something as disgusting as this. They wouldn't do something that's so disgusting with this debt ceiling bill. Now, you need to vote out all 217 of the Republicans who voted yes on all the things I just read out to you. You need to vote them out of office. When I come back, I want to talk to you about what you can do. It doesn't happen like we think it does. No one rolls the tanks. No armies meet in pitched battle. 
It happens quietly, little by little. And because so many think it can't happen, it does happen. Little by little, the rules change. It doesn't seem shocking or sudden. And that's the point. Fewer places to vote, longer lines. Don't worry, they say. We're just improving the system. They hope we won't notice the rules are changing because they lost the last election. They hope we just won't care enough to stop them. They believe they can take America away from us, and we won't even notice. We know who they are. We know what they want. The question is, who are we? Do we let them get away with it, or do we fight? Democracy is on the ballot. Vote while your vote still counts. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. So why do I say that we are our own worst enemy, dear listener? Well, because we find ways not to do the things we should be doing. You know, we do. We do. And very simply, we can do something about this. It doesn't matter that the bill is not going to be passed. We don't know that for a 100% fact. I mean, yes. Oh, yeah. You know, in all likelihood, yes, it's not going to pass. Right? Right? But that's not the point here. The point here is the Republicans continue to push to see what they can get away with and how much they can get away with. They are not shy about putting a bill that cuts VA, that cuts Pell Grants, that cuts jobs, that cuts the green energy tax credit. They're not afraid of doing all these things. Right? They put it out there on Front Street that this is who they are, and this is what they're doing. But, you know, it occurs to me, dear listener, that some of us are afraid to do the simplest of things, the thing that will not cost you a donation to Ralph Yall's GoFundMe page. Some of us can't even pick up a phone, who have the ability to pick up a phone, and call these Republicans... I'm basing this on something really simple. The responses to my messages on social media from some people. Case in point, dear listener, on Spoutable, which, by the way, I recommend that you join. It is a black-owned social media platform, and it's much better than the other platforms that are out here, by far. By far. You need to call 217 people, or at least a few of those people, right? Here's what I get back from social media, right? Of these two, because I posted a list of all of the, I wrote these things down. Joe Madison talked about them. I wrote all these things down that that debt debt ceiling bill by the Republicans does that affects all of us. And then I put next to it, I included a screenshot of all 217 Republicans who voted for this bill. 
And I was saying in a post on a lot of these social media platforms, you must vote out all 217 of these Republican House members who voted yes on the list of cuts that you see. Someone responds to me and says, well, you know, my legislator is on there. I never voted for that person in the first place. I would like to know if that person or any other actually picked up a phone and called the person that they never voted for in the first place to tell them that what they're doing is abhorrent, unacceptable, and I'm going to make sure that not only will I vote you out, but I'm going to get my friends to do the same thing. Did you pick up the phone and do that? I'm not picking on any one person. I'm not mentioning names. I don't know if the person that I just that I just uh, read the response from listens to this podcast or not. That's not the point. The point is I'm trying to make a point about what our excuse is are. Our excuses are excuses. We are making excuses to not do something while these Republicans are doing all these things that are injurious to all of us. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Another response on social media to something that I posted regarding this. Right? I posted something about calling up your elected officials, whether it's locally, whether it's in the House or the Senate in the U.S., in D.C., and giving these people a piece of your mind regarding this bill or any bill that the Republicans put out there, that it's an attack on us or an attack on anyone at large, but particularly on black people or on trans people or anyone else or on women at large or are you calling these people? And then I put the phone number. I've talked about this phone number. I mentioned it a lot of times. 202-224-3121 or 202-225-3121, right? And I get these responses from people. My representatives on the right sides of all these issues. It's frustrating to have competent representation that I can't yell at. Well, you know what you can yell at? You can yell at the Republicans still. That doesn't stop you from calling them. Just because your person is on the right side of the issue, you can call them and thank them for being on the right side. And, and, you can also call the Republican who is in your area or in an area nearby you or anywhere. And you can tell that Republican, you can still tell them if you have the ability to speak that what they did was abhorrent and you are going to have friends of yours vote them out. And you're going to as well. You can still do that. It doesn't stop you. Having the representative on your side voting on the right side of those issues doesn't preclude you from going over to the Republicans and calling them. So I responded. And then I get this other response. Well, those calls from Republicans, because I said you can still call Republicans. The person then tells me, well, those calls get binned unless you're a constituent. <sighs> Listen to me. I don't care that these calls get binned or that they don't get listened to. 
Make the phone call. Flood their voicemail boxes. I don't care that they get binned. We're making excuses not to call these Republicans. That's the point I'm making. People are making excuses about what they're not going to do. You're making an excuse not to do something. It's the bare minimum. Pick up the phone. If you've got a phone and your phone works and your phone ain't cut off, pick up the phone. If you've got a voice and you're fortunate enough to speak, because there are many people who don't have the ability to speak. And if you're someone who is fortunate enough to be able to speak, pick up the phone and call these Republicans. I don't care that the phone call gets binned. God. And by the way, there is a thing called email. There is a thing called social media. There is a thing called letter writing. There is a thing called video. You can make a video and you can send it to these Republicans via email. You can make a tweet. You can tweet someone. You can post. You can Facebook. You can get on Spoutable, Spoutable and Spout. You can do things. Oh my God. Stop making effing excuses. God. I mean, really, we make it. And listen, look, the person who, if the person's listening to this, I'm not going to tell you tell you who the person is. The person listening who I'm referring to knows exactly who they are if they listen to this podcast. But I respond to the person I said, please call, email, tweet, or write a letter to these Republicans. There are numerous different options. I didn't hear back. That stopped that noise, right? Didn't hear anything more from the person after that. But you see, my whole point in saying this is that we make freaking excuses not to do something when we should be doing something. And what we're doing is the bare minimum. It goes back to what I said earlier. When the news anchor that I replayed the portion of that clip from, the audio clip, who asked the news reporter on NBC, well, what are members and activists for the LGBTQ community, for the trans community doing? And I'm saying, wrong question. What are we collectively as a society who claims that we care about all these issues? What are we doing? What are we doing when it comes to the issue of black women dying in childbirth? Four times more than anybody else. Four times more likely to die in childbirth than white women. What are we doing about that? Are we raising our voices? Besides social media, are we having conversations with politicians locally about that issue? Are we? Are we? Or are we sitting there making excuses about, well, we shouldn't make phone calls to these Republicans because, you know, those calls will get binned. Why do we just keep... Why do we keep reacting in a self-defeatist way to things that are in our best interests? Why do we do that? These Republicans continue to put all this filth in our faces. And we continue, some of us, to make excuses as to why we shouldn't do anything. 
And I think people who do that, whether they're trolls, I don't know if this person's a troll or if they're not. I don't know if they're a Democrat or if they're not. Really, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, because what this is about is about decency and people who are indecent. This is about doing the right thing and people who are doing the wrong thing. This is about everybody having rights or it's about lots of people not having rights. This is about whether you care enough and this is also about what your values are. I return to that word again, values. What do you value? Values. Values are things you hold dear. If you want to know what values are, because I believe in definitions and defining things, I know I do rail against people being definitional when it comes to certain things, but I do believe in providing definitions to things because I am not assuming that we all understand everything that we're talking about. It's important to explain what you mean, to define what you are saying to people. Because you do have to explain this and spell it out to people, as Denzel Washington once said in the film Philadelphia, like they're three-year-olds. And that's not me trying to be patronizing or anything else, condescending or anything. I'm saying that we have to start explaining. I talked about this example the other day about someone on TV asking this white female conservative author who had a chapter in her book about woke asking her, okay, what does woke mean? I want to know what's the definition of woke. And she couldn't even freaking well give an answer to that question. And she wrote a whole chapter in a book about being woke. And that's the thing in this culture, in this country particularly. Everyone talks about something and nobody defines what the hell they're talking about. What's critical race theory? No one defines it. Everyone's talking about, oh, we've got to get rid of critical race theory. Okay, what the F is it? Define it. And it's deliberate. These Republicans don't define anything. And we react to that. And we don't define it either, some of us. <laughs> Just ridiculous. So I get back to this, right? Values. Values are things that you hold dear. Things that you care about. Here's an example. I value. One of my values is that women have control of their own bodies. One of my values is, is that women must have equal pay for equal work. One of my values is, is that we must have a society where women and girls reach their fullest potential. Those are just a few of mine. Those are things I hold dear. Those are things, in holding those things dear, I fight for. Right? What are your values? So you can think, think about what your values are, dear listen. I've just given you, given you two or three of mine. Right? I have many others. Those are three of mine. Now, values. I would like to know what the values of someone, like the person and persons who have responded on social media to me, and I just read out some of those responses. I would like to know what the values of those persons are. By extension, values are things that you hold dear because that means now that if you hold those things dear, you are going to prioritize those things in your life. 
Because I dare say that some people in the world, they would rather vote for the next American Idol than pick up a phone and call these Republicans or call the Democrat who you thank for being on the right side of the issue. They're going to pick up the phone and text in about American Idol. Who's the best choice this week for American Idol? I'm going to pick this person. This person should be the person. There are people who are more apt to vote in one of my polls on Twitter than they are to pick up a phone and call up these Republicans and chastise them and criticize them and tell them that they're not going to vote for them. They're going to vote them out. And I've got a bunch of friends and people I know who are going to do the same. And if you don't change your vote and if you don't vote for this bill that I want you to vote for, or if you don't vote against this bill that I want you to vote against, I'm going to vote you out. I'm going to make sure that you are not going to be in elective office next time around when the election comes. Because I'm going to vote you out. And I've got a load of people in my friend circle. I've got an organization. We are going to run someone against you. We're voting you out. Why can't somebody say that? What, people are saying that, some people. But why can't some of these people on social media say that? Unless they're trolls. And I don't care that Republicans aren't listening to their own voters. It's not what the Republicans are doing. It's about what we're not doing. Obviously, it is about what the Republicans are doing, because I wouldn't just spend 20 minutes reading to you all those things in that dastardly bill. It's about what the Republicans are doing. And it's also even more importantly about what we are not doing. It goes back again to what I said about Pastor Niemöller. It goes back again to what I said about Representative Pamela Stevenson when she said, are you going to hate your kids next? What does it say? What are you doing to these people in the gallery who are getting arrested? Why are you doing that to them? And by extension, I would add this. What does it say about us? That we would sit here and make excuses. Oh, the Republicans don't listen to their own voters. Why is the self-defeatism coming in? Why? Oh, the Republicans aren't listening anyway. Damn it. Make them listen by calling them. Flood their inboxes. These Republicans know how to do that with Democrats. They flood their inboxes with all kinds of attacks. What are we doing? Again, it goes back to the question I asked earlier. What are we doing? Don't ask what the trans community is doing. Ask what we're freaking doing. I'm not a member of the trans community. I'm a member of a community of people who is out here trying to help and trying to do what I can do. I still need to do a whole heck of a lot more, by the way. Right? I need to do more. We all do. I definitely need to do more. I'm not a member of the LGBTQIA communities. I'm not. But I am a member of a community that wants to see change in this country, in the world. And all of these attacks on black people, on black women particularly, on trans persons, on black people who are trans, 
It's reprehensible, man. And this affects all of us. You can't sit here and act, okay, I'm not trans. It doesn't affect me. By the way, it does. I'm not trans either. I'm a straight person. I'm a cisgendered black man, right? These issues affect me. I'm a human being in the world. And trans people are human beings in the world. And as long as we're on this planet together, these issues affect all of us. Stop making excuses about what Republicans aren't doing or what they are doing. Oh, they're not listening to their callers at this point or their voters at this point. Oh, the Republicans, well, it's not going to pass anyway. How do you know for a fact? None of us knows for a fact. We expect that it won't pass. But the point is, where is your voice? These Republicans will come back from this debt ceiling bill and go, well, we didn't get any phone calls from anybody. Let's try something even more draconian next time. We've got the House of Representatives now. Heck, if we win the White House in 2024, now we're in really good shape. You have to be setting out your stall now. You need to set out your stall and you need to be heard from. I don't care whether they throw your call in the garbage. I don't care. That's a lame-ass excuse. The phone is not your only mode of communication, you know. You do know that there's letter writing, there's email, there's even tweets. And you are aware there's something called video. And there's a cell phone that you have that has video recording capability. You do know that. It's literally in the palm of your hand. And now you're going to with the other palm of your hand, the fingers that you type with on your keyboard, on that phone in the palm of your other hand. It's literally in the palm of your hand. And with the other hand, you're going to tell me that the Republicans don't listen. Really? Make them listen. Call them. Jeez, why keep putting what they do or don't do as the reason why you don't do anything? Why are you going to put what they do as a reason for you not to do jack? Why, why do people do that? Why do we do that? Why do we do it? We are our own worst enemy. Pick up the phone and call 202-224-3121. Pick up the phone and call 202-225-3121. They're both the same congressional switchboard in Washington, D.C. I asked to speak to one of these Republicans in the House. I posted a whole list of these names of people, all 217 of them. It would take me quite a bit of time to read out every name, but you need to go and look at that on my Twitter page, at the popcorn R-E-E-L, from April the 27th. 2023. That would be yesterday. You need to go and look this stuff. I mean, go to house.gov. The bill number is HR 2811. Seriously, you can, you can look this up. But some of us are too lazy to even look something up anymore now. Uh, it's just, it's just sad. It's really what it is. It's really sad. By the way, PBS has this article. Here's what's in the GOP bill to lift the U.S. debt limit. 
By the way, that was written, that's a syndicated part story written by someone at the Associated Press, which is why you need to be following the AP, the Associated Press. You need to be reading them. APnews.org, I think, or APnews.com, whichever it is. The Republicans are showing you who they are. And we have to start showing ourselves, much less the Republicans, who we are. I mean, again, other social media responders, I put this information on another social media channel and someone then responds to me with all this litany of things that the Republicans have said and the Republicans have done. And, you know, I blocked the person. I blocked them. I muted them. You know why? Because one of the things I would have said to them is, because they're probably bots or trolls, but I, I muted them. I didn't block them. You know what I, would have, I was going to say, but I'm not going to waste my energy on people who then email me multiple graphics about all the bad things the Republicans did. What's that got to do with you picking up a freaking phone and calling these Republicans? Why are you now regurgitating to me social media person who responded to me yesterday like this. Why are you responding to me with these graphics of all these things the Republicans have done? And, and why are you responding to me with quotes of what Republicans have said, the ugly, dastardly, racist and sexist and homophobic things and misogynistic things they've said? Why are you now quoting me these things? I'm aware of a lot of the things they've said, but what are you doing? Social media responded to my post. What are you doing? Are you picking up a freaking phone and calling these people? Or are you just going to keep responding with freaking memes and freaking quotes from Republicans and photos of Republicans? Are you going to just quote me people like Noam Chomsky? Is that what it is now? Just quotes? Or are you going to do something? Noam Chomsky is in his 90s, for God's sakes. What, what are you doing? We are our own worst enemy. Social media, I mean, it just breeds this kind of crap. I don't want quotes from you about what the Republicans haven't done or have done or what they said or what someone else said about them and said something about what they said. I don't care about that. I want you to respond to my posts with, okay, I'm going to make a phone call. I want you to respond to my posts to whom this concerns, to whomever this is directed at. I want you to whomever this applies, I should say, I want you to respond to my post with, okay, I've made two phone calls. I've made three phone calls today. And here's what's happened in those phone calls. Here's what I said to them. And here's what they said back to me. That's what I want. I would love to see someone respond that way to me. Not with quotes about what Republicans have said in the past. I don't give a damn about what they've said. I give a damn about what we do, about what I do, about what you do in response. In fact, we need to be proactive about this on a daily basis. We need to be proactive. That's what we need to be. Responding with 
memes about Republicans. And a lot of us do this. We get on social media and post these memes. What about posting about what we've done to counter these Republicans, aside from voting them out? What are we doing to engage our local politicians, whether we've elected them or not, whether we've voted for them or not? Is the extent of our engagement only going to be every four years or every two years? Is that going to be the extent of our engagement with the very people who are in power, who affect our lives? Is it only going to be a two or four year thing and what they vote on every day in these local houses or state houses or federal houses affects every second of our lives and the extent of our engagement is going to only be once every four years or once every two years? Really? And these people vote on things that affect every second of our lives? How disproportionate a response is it? I mean, how disproportionate is that from us? We are our own worst enemy. We are making excuses, some of us, not to do anything, to do anything. And meanwhile, the Republicans continue to pass all these bills or put them in the ether, float them out there or pass them. I told you, 238 anti-LGBTQIA bills introduced by Republicans in a 10-week stretch in 2022. What are we doing about all this? And how proactive are we going to get? We must be proactive. We can't just react to Republicans. We have to start proactively running people against them on the local level, on the state level, on the Fed. We've got to do all of that. It takes work. I'm not saying that you have to do this full time. I don't do this full time. We're all busy with work or whatever it is we're busy with. No one of us has all the time in the world to do this, but we can do something. And instead of passing around memes on social media, we might freaking well pick up a phone and call these people. Or if you don't want to make a phone call or you don't have a phone, and if you have some kind of internet access, tweet these people, email these people, write a letter to these people, post a letter to them, send it through snail mail. I don't care. Do something. Organize. I keep saying this. Get a group of people together on Zoom or whichever platform of choice it is. Have conversations about the issues that matter to you. Your values. Your values. What you prioritize. Because some people clearly do not prioritize picking up a phone and calling these Republicans. Oh, well, my representative, they voted with me on the right side of these issues. I don't want to yell at them. You can, you can talk to a Republican, though. That doesn't preclude you. Don't try to get off the hook. You still have to do something here. And I think so many of us, we're so conditioned to just vote every two years or every four years and say, well, that's my part. I'm done. I can go back to my regularly scheduled programming now. No, 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 you can't. 
No, you cannot. You need to be involved on a daily basis. You need to be involved. You do. You need to be involved in some way, shape or form for 10 minutes of your life. 10 minutes in a day, in a week. Seriously. Find out what's going on in your local area. What are these politicians talking about in your area? The people you vote in, who are they? Have a meeting with them. Schedule something. Do something. God, it's so easy because the information is right there. I've talked about this earlier in this episode, and I've talked about this previously on this podcast. Stop making excuses. Because really what's really going on, I think, for some people is people, some people just do not want to do anything. They want to assume, and they do assume, I believe, that some people other, elsewhere are going to do something. I think that's what some of us believe, that, well, someone else will do it. It's that horrible theory I talk about, right, where you have this bystander theory. It's not wasn't developed by me. The bystander theory, dear listener, says that you can have 50 people seeing a horrific event and you will have the less likelihood of someone acting because you know why the people in the audience tend to think, well, someone else will go and act. Someone else is getting killed over there or getting attacked. Someone else in this crowd of 50 of us will act. But that same bystander theory says the less people there are in a crowd, the more likely someone will act. So if the number of people watching some heinous crime go on in front of them is now not 50, but instead four, the bystander theory says that there is a greater propensity of someone amongst those four people to get out and act and fight back against the person doing some heinous violence. And that tends to be true. It really does. That you can have millions of people sit there and watch something and very few of them do anything because there is an inherent assumption amongst many of those people that, well, someone else will do it. And then no one ends up doing it. It, no one ends up fighting back against Nazi Germany in, in Germany. No one else ends up doing it. And then they all turn into Nazis overnight, or basically overnight. You know what I mean. Not figuratively, not literally overnight, but really, in, in no time at all, they become Nazis themselves. Pastor Niemöller supported all this stuff before his line was drawn in the sand. And it was the Protestant church, as I said over and over again today. What's your line in the sand? What's my line in the sand? I ask myself that. What is my line in the sand? What am I going to do? What are you going to do? What's your line in the sand? Where are your values? What are the things you prioritize? Those are your values. Show me your values and I will show you how you vote. Show me your values and I will show you how you will vote. And there are so many people in this country who don't vote their values. They vote their hate. Because they're voting against their own best interests. They're voting for Republicans who vote for a debt ceiling bill that actually hurts them. Meaning the people who vote for these Republicans. Usually white and poor. White, poor people. Voting for 
the same Republican politicians whose debt ceiling bill is against everything that that white poor person needs. Cutting Medicaid, white poor person on Medicaid. Oh, I'm going to vote for the same person who's voting against me. Why are you doing that? Show me your values and I will show you how you will vote. What do you hold dear? What are your priorities? What are your values? What things are non-negotiable for you? Think about those things, dear listener. Think about them. Are you going to pick up a phone at the very minimum and call these Republicans, call these Democrats, call your local politics? Are you going to do that? Have you ever done that? Will you continue to do that? Or are you going to be like some of the people that I see on social media who respond to some of my comments and make excuses and say that, well, Republicans don't listen to their voters anyway, so why should I call? Who say things like, well, you know what? This is what this Republican said in 1973, in 1954, in 1984, in 2004. And here's what Noam Chomsky had to say about this or that. What the F does that have to do with you picking up a phone and calling the phone number I told you about? 202-225-3121. What the hell does that got to do with anything? Noam Chomsky does not have the power over your life to affect your life and pull, take away your Medicare or your Medicaid or your Social Security. You know who does? The politician that you vote for, the politician that you voted out or the politician that you voted against more precisely. Those people, the politician you voted against that's in the legislature, in your city, in your town, in your state, in the country. They're the ones that have the power to do this, on the federal level particularly. Noam Chomsky doesn't. So why are you quoting me Noam Chomsky to that social media person? Why is this social media person quoting Noam Chomsky to me? We love quotes. Heck, I do I do it. Listen, I'm guilty as charged. I quote people all the time. I like to think that I also do something, and I, I in fact do, in terms of letting politicians know, I'm watching you. I vote in every freaking election. And I'm watching what you do. And I don't like that you voted for these robots here in San Francisco. To be used in emergency situations. Instead of, in, instead of the police. Because you know the so-called emergency situations will be an excuse to use them against you know who. Black and brown people. And I don't want this for anyone. And so I'm going to keep an eye on you. You need to have that kind of relationship with your local politician. You don't want to have a beer with them. See, these corporations, these corporate news people in the news media, oh, well, you wouldn't you want a beer with George W. Bush? No, I freaking well wouldn't. I don't want a beer with a war criminal. I don't want a beer with a liar. I don't want a beer with a Republican. I don't want a beer with any politician. I don't care what letter is behind their name in parentheses. I want a relationship that deals with honesty with these politicians. 
I, I know people will chuckle at that. I want to cultivate and am cultivating relationships with the people I vote in. And I also want to make sure that the people who I didn't vote for, who may be in office, I want to make sure that they also hear from me. And that's what we should all be doing. We have to be engaged. Stop making excuses. We are our own worst enemy. Pick up the phone and call 202-225-3121 or 202-224-3121. Ask to speak to a Republican representative. Just look at that list of the 217. Pick one. Call them. Call them. Mention their name and they'll put you through to whomever it is. And it might be their aide. It might be an answering machine. Don't be nasty to them. Just tell them how you feel about this bill, this debt ceiling bill, and tell them, tell them, and tell them that you will vote them out or people that you know in Kentucky will vote them out, whatever, whatever the state is, whoever the politician is, because there's 217 of them. They're not all from Kentucky, right? We can all do something. It's the bare minimum. There are people who are activists. There are people who have organizations. There are people who have anti-gun violence organizations. Right? They've dedicated a lot of their lives to this. You mean we can't even pick up a freaking phone and call the Republicans and call our own politicians? We can't even do that. We're going to make excuses on a bare minimum level? That's why these Republicans keep getting away with stuff in part because not nearly enough of us are freaking well calling them and telling them we're voting them out. I don't care that they don't care. But what I care about is that we don't sit on our duffs and make excuses. I care that we get up there and freaking well pick up a phone and call. I know I've repeated myself like a broken freaking record in my crazy rant, but this is what we must do. And we must do it now here in 2023. You don't wait until next year during the election year 2024 to do this stuff. Do it now. The time is always right to do right said Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We just lost someone who was a dear, close friend to him, Harry Belafonte. Harry Belafonte, if he was around right now, he would continue to tell us to challenge power, to speak truth to it, to vote, to get out there in the street. Harry Belafonte did that till his very last days. 96 years old. And I told you a few weeks ago, dear listener, that it's not just on this younger generation. Oh, look at the young people. Don't they make you proud? Oh, yes, they're in the streets. And I'm here on the sideline. I did my bit 60 years ago. And so I can retire now. No, you can't. No, you can't. You have to still be out there in some way. You don't maybe have to be on the street, but you have to be involved in some way. You can't just say, well, I did my bit in the 60s and that's it. No. You have to be with these young people. Support what they're doing. And it doesn't mean just patting them on the back from afar. 
Get involved with their organizations. Be a part of what they're doing. Do what they are doing. God, we're so lazy in this country. Why do you think that these corporations and these Republicans are having a freaking field day? Part of it's the media and its corrosive effect. There's no question. But my God, man, part of it is our own inactivity, our own laziness and our own excuse making. We are our own worst enemy. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.